This is Bach to Bach, the podcast opening up the world of classical music, one beer at a time. And all rise for the national anthem of England. So welcome back yet to another episode of Bach to Bach. I am Kevin Oates. And I am Matty Oates. If you can't tell we are brothers, but that's kind of part of the podcast and why we do it in the first place. That's it. Again, we are opening up the world of classical music one beer at a time, just trying to take two worlds that sometimes people are a little bit afraid to get inside and uh, taking down the walls around them. And what better way to be approachable than the English? Am I right? Well... I'm wrong. Okay, so this is our third episode of the month where we're featuring the music of Benjamin Britten. We've never done a full deep dive into um, one composer in a long stretch of time. I'm enjoying it a lot just to be able to explore the breadth of one composer's work instead of just focusing on a Beethoven symphony or a Brahms uh, concerto. This is a chance to really explore how far and wide these the, the taste of Britain ran. And already from like the beginning of the month with Simple Symphony, and then to now we're actually going to be exploring a very, very short piece of music, but probably the most notable piece of music in any English-speaking country oh, yeah. around the world. Um, this is, uh, it's titled God Save the Queen, but really it is the national anthem of England, and it can also be known as God Save the King, at all depending on who is in power. And now, and I asked you before we started this off, where if we knew where it began, and there's there's no known origins at the moment. It has the tune has been around for for I I can't tell you how long, yeah, but but the original author is unknown. But what we're focusing on with Benjamin Britten was his arrangement he did back in 1962. Um, he was probably, let's see, 40, 49 years old at that point. Okay. Um, he, uh, this, this version was written in 1962 um, and it was for orchestra and chorus taking the, the national anthem of England, which is also known in America as My Country Tis of Thee or America. It's known as that, but it yep. is also used in currently in Canada. It's been their national anthem uh, since 1984. Uh, New Zealand, it's been their national anthem melody since 1977. Um, but the lyrics, this is our first time we really kind of focus on some uh, lyrical work for this piece. So I'm not going to read through all the lyrics for this piece, but there is one four-line lyric structure that I think is really stands out from the rest, and it's confound their politics, frustrate their navish tricks, on thee are hopes we fix, oh save us all. And just very different tone from the rest of, of the lyrics for the entire piece. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the, the, I feel like the English have always been a little bit linguistically superior. I mean, there's the, there's the old Family Guy um, episode where the English take over the pub. The, the, yeah. And they, they go in for a fight and they end up walking out about 20 minutes later just fully convinced that they should... Leave without a fight. And there's one like other one like uh, from every latent foe from the assassins blow. There's not a lot of classical music that has the word assassins in it. No, um, that's why so no, good. it's pretty pretty calm otherwise. Um, but this is uh, performed for full symphony orchestra, um, and 
and chorus. It was actually really cool. So written in 1962, but then performed twice in 1967, which we talked about a little bit last rehearsal with. Um, that's uh, right. That's right. The Aldebaran Festival. That's and right. It basically it outgrew its location. Um, and so he moved us to this this town that was kind of um, demolished during World War II and decided it's a good place to build a concert hall and some other music venues in the city. And when we say concert hall, this if you go check this place out, it's in a, it's a village called Snape. Snape. Right? Um, it looks like a, I think it's a massive thatched roof concert hall. It's definitely not this big grand stone structure, but it's, um, if you, and if you know Suffolk, which is on the, the um, eastern coast of, of England, uh, it, it is beautiful rolling farmland. It's stunning. And this, this town is actually around the corner from um, a good friend, uh, George Newman, who grew up uh, j- like a mile away in a town called Saxmundham. And it is, it's just filled with these kind of hedged country rows and sunny mornings. And it's, uh, it's, it's the most idyllic, beautiful spot in the world. And what's incredible about not, I think not incredible. What's what's special about this piece is that it really is the national anthem for the most part, uh, especially back in the 1960s and 70s, was only performed when the Queen was present at these performances. Um, so again, the, the language changes from God Save the Queen to God Save the King, depending on who's in power. But obviously for England, for the last quite bit of time, uh, the Queen has been, has been reigning over the country. Um, so... Uh, these were performed both in 1967, really for the first time, uh, with the Queen being in attendance at both performances. And if you are a fan of Netflix's The Crown, which just got launched into its third season with Olivia Colman and Helena Bonham Carter, um, there is this is the the time period uh, that this piece was written. So the season three goes from 1964 to. Uh, 1967, or 1977. Uh, sorry, that's season three and four. We're going to go that range. So this is in that time period. And she was actually a little bit older than I am right now. She was she was born in 36. So she would have, yeah, she would have been uh, just uh, two years older than I am right now when this was first written. Nice. Oof. She's done a lot more. Could you go back in time and get married to the queen? Huh? Am I right? I can't compete with Philip. He's he's amazing. Philip. Um, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> let's listen to the anthem. And so anyway, please rise for the national anthem of England and listen to Benjamin Britten's arrangement of God Save the Queen for orchestra and chorus.
so as incredible as that is, the uh, the timpani was sharp at the end. So this that is what year. you get for a live recording from Snape in 1967. The stupid timpani. That ear just never quits yours, is it? Like just tuned no. in. It's crap. Nice. Anyway. How Otherwise, it's incredible. It is, I mean, it, how can you not be just roused at the at the core of your soul with that, right? There's a, a great performance. I think it was 2011, 2012. I don't know. Um, of a performance of it at the BBC proms. And it was just, it was huge. It was like a 200 person plus chorus and Oof. humongous orchestra. But like, you know, just nothing like the original though, to kind of put it in context from how it sounded when it was performed for the first time um, in Snape in front of the queen of England. So, and if you haven't checked out the BBC problems next time you're, you're trolling YouTube. Um, I think the first time we talked about it was when, when we had, when we had Mo Nunez on the show, we were talking about, um, we were talking about oh, the, the symphony uh, for DJ and orchestra. DJ and orchestra. Yeah. Uh, or the concerto for DJ or whatever it was. And uh, we talked about the BBC proms and how they, like 2015, they did uh, top 20 hits of Ibiza with, with the, the proms orchestra. Yep. If you ever just want to see orchestral music taken in different directions, in fun directions, like that is... Oh, so you're saying for it to be cool. Oh, very cool. Okay, gotcha. Keep going. It's the only chance the British have it being cool, so you got to give them that. That and... I mean, John Oliver. And, that and John Oliver, pretty much. And Well, James Bond ranks in there somewhere. He's suave. He's not cool, I think. Anyway, keep going. Anyway. Um, Kevin came across this beer the other day that looked perfect for this episode. There is a brewery that... The, so the name isn't going to relate in in any way, shape, or form with the piece we just listened to. Nope. But the artwork, and we're going to put this up. Check out our social media for this because the artwork is beautiful. Go to myspace.com. <laughs> Okay, can we for back. one episode actually track down Tom from MySpace and interview? Like that would be one of my dreams. He didn't exist. He was just a, just a meme. I, he's like Jared from Subway. I have to believe he exists. And as long as there's no, how are you? Com- do not bring up Jared from Subway. As on long this. as there's no massive, uh, terrible crime behind him, I want to put Tom on. This the was show. such a good positive podcast until you brought up Jared from Subway. Was that John Oliver actually that did the clips that didn't age well? I don't care, but like it was scoring so well until you brought up Jared. Well, <laughs> I'm just, just you just keep going. I'm going to okay. just sit here and I do, I do want to look up Jared from Subway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kev came across this can series of cans from a brewery called Collective Arts Brewing. So they're based out of Hamilton, Ontario. They are now expanding. I think they're opening up one in Brooklyn. It's currently in progress, uh-huh. but so they, so they, to say this correctly, I'm just going to use a quote from a, from an article in Brewbound, but they fuse the craft of brewing with the inspired talents of artists and musicians, which is so true. So, so in this time, what they do is uh, they've got their core and um, one-off brews, but the, what they'll do is they will reach out to artists and get them to design can art. So even though you may have seen uh, one version of a brew and it's can, um, for the first half of 2019 could be totally different for the latter half different in 2020 in fact over so they launched in 2013 and since that time they have featured more than 1000 artists from 40 different countries on their labels uh and so that and they have a quarterly open call Wait, for since, art since what year since 2013 
So break that six years, a thousand, thousand artists. Yeah, a thousand artists from forty different countries. So and and it's so like every hundred twenty artists a year. And every I can't do my math. <laughs> we'll let everyone just carry the five. And, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, in, okay, it involves trig trigonometry somewhere. Um, yeah. So there's a quarterly open call for art, and not only that, they do musicians, and obviously not related that they can't put music on a beer can. Although that would be a lovely day when they can. We'll definitely be doing an episode about that. But they uh, constantly have rotating features. So this particular brew that we're drinking today is called, the beer is called Stranger Than Fiction Porter. Um, and even in even when you picked up these cans, there were, we have two different styles yeah. of the same beer. So in the four pack, there were two pieces of artwork per, per four pack. And, and I do encourage you right now, like, Pause the podcast, open up your browser, and go check out uh, Collective Arts Brewing because every version is stunning and so different. It's it's not not right now, Kevin. Don't actually stop the podcast and open up your phone. Don't worry, it's happening. Um, this, the can art is stunning, but this particular can has a gorgeous side, uh, side profile of the young Queen Elizabeth, um, and it, it's set on this jet black can, and it's just visually stunning. In an age where it's really hard to have your canned art jump off the shelf, and we've talked about that before, this can stands out. Like if you if you were sitting there at Whole Foods looking at five thousand IPAs, this thing would jump right out at you. Now, when you pour it out, we we crack this can, and instantly before you even get it into the glass, the chocolate and molasses are apparent. Now, and, and, and normally I'm not a, no, I appreciate it, but usually these days I find that a lot of times that that transfers into the drink itself and it ends up being like this one and done drink, you know, like a, a great example is Gunner's Daughter from our local brewery, Mass Landing, which is one of, hands down, one of the best beers I have ever tasted, but I personally can't do more than one. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy, beautifully flavorful beer. Um, but because that chocolate and 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 uh, and flavoring transfers into the actual taste itself, it's it's a bit much for me to do more than one. But this beer, even though you've got this beautiful um, aroma that's coming up out of the glass, when you actually sip it, it ends up being incredibly smooth for for um, for the aroma you're getting off it. So you get all the pleasure of that. But then this beer that I mean, I could I feel like I could definitely go into a second one of these at some point and it's only 5.5 percent abv so we love this thing so and what's nice is they kept the hops pretty simple on this one they did cascade and nugget hops and for the malt and this is where all of us got to come from you got two row uh dark chocolate crystal biscuit flaked wheat um and carafoam in there and it's just it, it's amazing now and the head when you pour it it it, it came out a little bit thick um but uh, but then once it disappears, you know, the, the lacing's lovely and it sticks around. You kind of keep that aroma popping off the top of it, laid into it. But again, Stranger Than Fiction is the name of the porter and Collective Arts Brewing is the brewery. Um, they have now moved into uh, Detroit for uh, for another uh, set of distribution. They're apparently building uh, or launching another brewery in Brooklyn. Uh, but these guys have been the official beer sponsor of Detroit's murals in the market that's uh, held in their historic Eastern market in September. Uh, but then they've got people traveling through the state at the same time through Michigan. So there's going to be an expansion through there. 
Uh, they've got everything from live art installations. They've got music. They've got tap takeovers. They've got pop-up record stores. Mm. Um, there's the, the logger that's called uh, it's audiovisual logger, yeah. logger right? Yeah. Um, the, the nomenclature alone is really fun, but these guys just seem like a brewery that are right up our alley as far as just bringing beer and music to people as one maybe the genre is a bit different but as far as the mission it, it seems like they're right on course i'd love to meet these guys so we have a call to action for you guys so i'm currently looking at their instagram feed which is so much fun and i actually stumbled upon one of my favorite artists personally um it's on the october 2nd post of this year uh, the artist's name is mags art um he just has the coolest like oh, almost wow. just super funky illustrations that are just whimsical um, and it's just so much fun. So our call to action for you is go on their feed collective brew on Instagram, scroll through it and whatever artwork you like, that's like calls out to you, tag us in the caption and we'll, we'll love to have a conversation about it. And like, what about it for you? Do you connect with? Because seriously, it's just so much fun to look through what they offer up. Um, it's just, man, they are just doing everything right. Possibly. There's a great quote here from a guy named Matt Johnson. He's co-founder and CEO uh, of the brewery. And he said, and he goes, artists are constantly searching for new channels of distribution for their work, which I mean, which is totally true in this day and age. The art gallery isn't really um, the, the, the sole place coming back into the quote, new people to appreciate what they create. Uh, similarly, our drinkers are looking to share and discover both the beer we make and the artists and musician that we present. Artists are constantly searching for new channels of distribution for their work. Uh, new people to appreciate what they create, which is totally true. Just pop it out of the quote for a second. Like that, that is a challenge nowadays when, uh, and look at people who have gotten through that. Look at people like Macklemore who came up pat on outside the music industry through YouTube to have the career that they do. Right. Um, and then he comes back to say, similarly, our drinkers are looking to share and discover both the beer that we make and the artist musicians that we present. So again, right up our alley, but so check out that Instagram feed because it's yeah, seriously collective amazing. brew. Well done, good job, guys. Uh, where where did you find these guys around Maine? Out of curiosity, uh, I got these at I think RSVP, nice, um, which is a great beer distribution beer distribution center on uh, in Portland, Maine. Good job, guys. Nicely done. This is delicious. And even now, just had another sip of it, and it it's it's got this nice uh, effervescence to it. Even even I'm in, I'm now twenty four minutes into this syllable beer. word, man. Nice job. Hey, hey, do what I can. So do what I can. We're almost done, uh, man. This is a fast one today, but uh, we are wrapping up our Britain month next Tuesday with a piece called the War Requiem, which is. The exact opposite of this. And it's really funny because <laughs> it was written the same exact year. Uh, so our last episode of the month, right before Thanksgiving, really get you in that warm, warm, loving mood. We're talking about war. Yeah. And so and like really atonal weird stuff and um, beer that's not even from our country or. It, to be honest, it's either we talk about that or we talk about a national anthem that's not our own. So until that next time, this has been another episode. Buck to buck. Cheers. Cheers. Be sure to follow Buck to Buck on Spotify to get notified of the latest episodes. And keep the conversation going on Instagram with us and follow us on all social media platforms at Buck to Buck. That's B A C H T O B O C K. Cheers and keep listening.